Hooper now offloads. Oh, so close, still short. Blaubanga. There he is! He's over! Hello and welcome to a very special live stream episode of the Pick and Drive Rugby Podcast. We are diehard rugby fans having a weekly chat about all things Aussie rugby. We're real, family-friendly and positive, so get involved. If you're watching on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter, a very special welcome to you all. Make sure that you get involved and send us your questions, your comments and banter throughout the show. And we're going to be doing our best to respond to each of them as the evening progresses. My name is Ando and with me are my usual teammates. First off, we have Mitch. Hey. And we've got Rev. Hey. And I'm incredibly excited to welcome for the first of three appearances in this series, Brumby's legend, 72 cap Wallaby, all round good bloke, Ben Alexander. Welcome. Thanks for having me, guys. How have you been, my friend? How has your, what day are we? How's your Monday been so far? Uh, school holidays. So I've got three daughters that, uh, yeah, so it's been, it's been a challenge, a little bit harder than the usual Monday, but um, no, it's been good. Been real good. How good? At least not in lockdown like Mitch and I. So trying to trying to keep the younger ones entertained on lockdown is a mission. Or are you guys? Is ACT on some type of lockdown? No, we we haven't had a case for about a year now, so we've been really lucky. Wow. But um, yeah, we we had an eight week lockdown last year, and that was uh, that was a yeah, challenge as it is for everyone with kids. But yeah, we we've been super lucky. Well, good news. May that continue on. Now, as I mentioned, this is episode one in a three-part series before each Wallaby test match. We're going to have two more episodes, very obviously. The next one will be on Sunday the 11th and then Thursday the 15th. They'll obviously be before each match. Once the teams have been announced, 8 p.m. for each live stream. You can access on all major social media platforms, so make sure you tune in. Now, let's get into things. Uh, Rev, I believe you had a rugby-related question that you wanted to ask Ben. Yeah, so we'll start with a bit of an icebreaker, I guess. Um, ben, obviously, across your career, plenty of Rugby World Cup uh, appearances and uh, the Lions Tour in 2013 and plenty of test matches. So I guess out of all those uh, games you've played, who's the best prop you've come up against other than Dan Palmer, who I guess would be the uh, first answer? Yeah, it would be Palms. It's a shame he didn't get to play... Um... More tests. I think he only got one test, but that was uh, yeah, injury crippled him, unfortunately. But he was certainly the best. Um, but I mean, there, there was heaps. Andrew Sheridan. I was lucky to, to scrum against him one one test. But uh, probably the best was a French tight head, Nicolas Mass. It was a tw- 2011 um, World Cup tight head for France, and he had a big hooker, William Savat. So those two were. Uh, yeah, they were the most destructive that I ever played against. Mass was only a really short guy, but he um, just was really awkward and, yeah, he knew the ins and outs of scrummaging. So, yeah, he, he'd be the best outside of outside of Palms. Awesome to hear. And great to hear a French name as well, I guess, uh, leading into this. The yeah, simple one, Mass, M-A-S. That's easy. <laughs> easy to pronounce, to isn't pronounce. it? Yeah. Now, now, before we go any further, I do need to draw attention. The uh, the the crowd is clamouring about Mitch's cardigan there, that outfit. Um, Mitch, can you please explain what you are wearing and why you're wearing it? Well, I mean... We're, we're doing a Wallabies. We're into international season now. It's also July. So Christmas in July, why not get out the Christmas gear? And yep. Wallabies, it just goes together, right? And, I mean, 
always a good excuse to put on a tie, even if this one isn't necessarily a real one. But get into a bit of the, the Christmas theme and the Wallabies theme. So why not? How good. Well, like I said earlier, thank you both to Alan and uh, Board Productions as well. I'm pretty sure I know who that is. Um, yeah. So thank you so much for everybody for getting involved so far. Please keep the questions, comments and banter coming. We will be referring to them throughout the rest of the show. So keeping on with you, Ben, just saying g'day. What's been keeping you busy since you retired from professional rugby? What are you doing with yourself apart from managing three kids and a lovely wife? Yeah, they're managing me uh, more, more than over <laughs> But yes, obviously family. Uh, you got twins who are five, Emma and Ivy, and little uh, little sister Anna who's three. So they, they keep us pretty busy. Um, so obviously, yeah, co-owner of the dock, the Kingston Foreshore, with Scott Fardy and um, a couple of other owners, Shooter and Jane. So that's the dock's been open uh, six years now. So we're yeah, sports bar down on the on the Kingston Foreshore, down by the lake. Uh, here in Canberra. So, yeah, come down, check us out if you guys are ever in Canberra. And, um, yeah, and then also, yeah, co-founder of Startup Alfred, which is um, an energy management app that simplifies tracking your food and exercise. So um, if anyone's yeah, tried to use, you know, apps like MyFitnessPal and stuff, we're, yeah, competitive for that. I've actually downloaded and had a go at the Alfred app because I saw you spruiking it a fair bit on your uh, Twitter account. And I really like it. I really like it. It's super simple. It's super easy. And I don't have to, I, I'm not just saying this because you're on the pod. Um, and I, I, I like the you fact. We paid you to say that as well. Yeah. <laughs> Trust me, I have not earned a single cent from this podcast. So if you want to pay me, I will happily take cash for comments, mate. Um, but the thing I you like about like it was like. You sound like a politician, mate. You sound like you've been <laughs> down here in Canberra comments like that. Uh, no, thank you, mate. No, thank you. I'm just used to trying to convince students to actually listen to me. So yeah, it, it's a good one. Uh, but yeah, honestly, just taking a photo of your food. And then do you have like uni students or someone like that, that just looks at the photo and kind of does an estimate of what the calories are within it? Yeah. Yeah. It's either myself or uh, we've got two nutrition students from the University of Canberra, Erin and Sam, who, yeah, we do all the work for you. So even if you don't take a photo, you can send us a little text and we'll estimate as best we can. And uh, yeah, go, going strong. We launched uh, Christmas Eve. It had been four years of work for me uh, to get to that point. Um, three versions I built fell apart and fourth time lucky, we finally got it working bug-free and in the app store. But um, I'd always really struggled with my eating and, and was in the Brumbies Fat Club every year, come back from holidays and with most of my front row brethren, we get st- I get thrown into uh, Brumby's Fat Club, but I just found tracking my food really helped me and it's helped me lose all my weight in retirement and um, got not frustrated, it's not the right word, but was always wondering when friends and family wanted to lose weight. I'd say, oh, just download my fitness pal or just keep track of your food. It's really helped me, but people just sort of found those apps all really hard to use, so um, just thought I'd make an easier one. And then, yeah, that's it. Well, mate, I'm loving it. I think one of the best things that needs to be mentioned is how you came up with the name Alfred, because this will get all the uh, comic book fans. Do you want to touch that one quickly, Benny? No, you don't have anyone from DC Comics listening in that's going to trademark <laughs> me for sure not, just Batman, no. Batman's butler. So he helps you go out and become the hero. So, yeah, I Batman's butler. I, yeah, I yeah. absolutely love the um, Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises and that Batman trilogy. So. A um, little homage to Michael Caine there, who's uh, nice started that series. Well worth it. 
Well, why don't we shift now back into some of the rugby scene. And one of the super exciting things is we now have the team list that have come up. So I'll shove that up on the screen. Um, Mitch, actually, no, sorry, I'm throwing to Rev now. Rev, can you take us through these teams, please? And then let's start talking through some of the players that might be a bit of a surprise. Um, The joy of live streaming is my five-year-old has decided to get out of bed. So I'm going to go manage (laughs) that right now and I'll be back with you as soon as possible. (laughs) <laughs> Love it. Uh, I'll start with the French team just because I think we'll know a bit more of the Wallabies' names from that list. But if we go through 1 through 15, we've got Jean-Baptiste Gros, uh, Gaetan Ballot, Demba Bamba, who is a bit like the French Tongan Thor, real solid scrummager, uh, Kylian Grazzi, Romain Tafo-Fanua, Dylan Creighton, Anthony Jalon, Sekou Makalu, Baptiste Couillou, Louis Carbonel, Gabin Villieri, Jonathan Danti, Archie Vincent, Damien Peno, and Melvin Jaminet. And I think from that list, we'll talk about some of those French players, but Melvin Jaminet is the interesting one because he's not yet played a fully professional rugby match yet because he plays in the Pro de Tour uh, for Perpignan. Uh, on the bench, they've got Anthony Etrela, uh, Quentin Walker, Sipoli Falataya, Baptiste Pizenti, Florent Van Verberg, uh, Cameron Wocky, which rounds out the 6-2 split, uh, Teddy Ariberin and Anthony Bothier. So the French team is looking pretty solid. Um, and we'll cover those in a bit more detail. But that Wallabies team, this has got a lot of people talking today on Twitter. And it's already um, going quite viral with some of the names getting thrown around. So we've got James Slipper, Brandon Pangaramosa, and Alan Alalatoa in the front row. Um, and I think one of Benny's tweets already went viral about Alan Alalatoa. So I'm, I'm keen to dive into that. Uh, Matty <laughs> Phillip and Lucan Salakai Lotto in the locks. Rob Valentini, Michael Hooper, and Harry Wilson in the back row. Jake Gordon and Noel Alessio form the pretty inexperienced Harvest Partnership uh, with Marika Corrin-Betty and Tom Wright on the wings, Matt Tomua and Hunter Paisami in the centres and Tom Banks at fullback. Uh, they're going to be supported by Lockie Lonigan, Angus Bell and Tenia Latupo as a reserve front row. Darcy Swain gets a chance to get his first cap off the bench with Issy Nicerani uh, as a bit of a utility back rower with Tate McDermott, Len Ikatao and Andrew Callaway uh, rounding out the back reserve. So a really exciting mix there. I guess I'll jump across to you first, Mitch. Out of those Australian players, which ones jump out as, I guess, the most surprising or the most exciting? Yeah, I think everyone was a little bit surprised when Jake Gordon got announced uh, earlier today as the starting nine. I think most people were either expecting uh, Tate McDermott to get that start, particularly uh, expecting... We weren't really sure who was going to get that number 10 jersey, but when um, Jake Gordon was sort of teased as being the starting nine a little bit earlier than the Wallabies team was fully announced. So I think we had a bit of an expectation with that once it sort of came around to 12.30 and that team was announced. But Noel Alessio as the starting 10 was a bit of a shock for me. If we go back to our um, Royal Rumble a few weeks ago, no one (coughs) apart from Matt had Noel Alessio in their teams um, and he had him at 12. So the fact that we've got Noel Alessio starting at 10 is a, a big one for me. And Benny, if I can just get your opinion on some of these players, because I think one of the things that's been spoken about a lot is the mix of experience and youth. And obviously you've played with um, Slipper and Hooper amongst the slot and a few of these other guys at club level, but probably not too many tests with any of the other players. How important is it that, you know, the Wallabies have um, Slips and Hooper in there just to try and bring that experience and that level-headedness? Yeah, massive, massive. You always need a blend in anything. You need some enthusiastic youngsters, but you do need some older blokes just... um, yeah, Hoops' decision-making on the field, so you need, you need that, and you just need Slips' experience around the group. Um, Alan's pretty experienced scrummager now. He's been, I don't know how many tests, 50-plus tests now, So, but having a 100-test match player in any position just it brings a sense of calm and um, 
on the field and and off the field, just just in camp. So um, yeah, you always got to have a balance. And Ando, from this, you didn't get a chance to have a vote for your twenty three on the Rugby Royal Rumble, but um, from that list, are there any surprise for you? Any players that you're particularly keen to run your eye over? Um, I'm particularly keen to see Jake Gordon get a start, and I've got my Waratahs flag waving madly as I say this. But as soon as Nick White went down, it I, I wasn't surprised with the fact that Jake Gordon is now starting. If he was fit, which he must be to be called up and starting, then I think his game is a bit more suited to test rugby starting than where Tate McDermott's is at right now. Now, I, I really rate Tate McDermott. I think he is a quality player, but there's been some really good analysis by um, analyst Nick Bishop, who looks particularly at his passing game, uh, particularly from left to right, which is generally the weaker passing angle for scrum halves. And he is just not on the same level as Jake Gordon, at, particularly in his distribution game. And so I am just not convinced that um, Tate McDermott has earned the right to start yet. I think he will get a start in this series, particularly since Nick White is out. Um, but I don't think I, I wasn't particularly surprised. And there's been a lot of chat from Reds fans. I don't know how you feel a bit about this one, Rev. Um, <laughs> but there's been a lot of chat about how McDermott's not starting, and I'm just I'm not that surprised. Like he's really, really good. But I'm keen to see him come on maybe 55 minutes and then just try to wreak some havoc around the edges of the rock. Yeah, I know what you mean. I've had a few messages already from me saying, oh, gee, you must be upset that Tupo and uh, McDermott aren't starting. But I, I think those two can justify, you know, with pretty good reasons why they might be off the bench or what impact they have or perhaps even the difference as to why Alalatoa and Gordon should be starting in front of them. Um, it brings, I guess, to one of the interesting aspects because I think uh, a lot of people did expect Tupo to start just based off his um, Super Rugby form. And he is the biggest body uh, out there, I guess, other than Romain Taufa-Fanua, which we'll get to soon. Um, so, Benny, do you think there is much of a, a difference between how Alalatoa and Tupo will play this match? Like, why would they start Alalatoa um, in this test match, do you think? Well, what, like, step back, I don't think it really matters because they're, they're the two best tight heads in the world, in my opinion. Um, so... Does it really matter who starts? No, not really. Like they're both they're both unbelievable players, so it doesn't really matter that much. But I think this is the right balance. I'm not just saying that because Alan's a Brumby. The, the amount of work that guy that guy gets through is unbelievable. And I just think Thor, Tom and Thor coming off the bench with 20, 25 to go when the defensive mm. line starts tiring is just he's the most destructive impact player on the planet. So I really like him coming off the bench. I think Tate McDermott's in the same. Yeah, Rev, you already alluded to it. Like, I think Nick White was going to start until he got injured and Tate McDermott was probably going to come off the bench to snipe around the ruck. So why not keep Tate McDermott in that role and, and give Jake Gordon a chance to start the game and maybe, yeah, put, put the team in the in – the, will help build a lead and put the team in the right parts of the field. So, um, yeah, I would have liked to send Sita Tamani in there as well. I thought he would have been a big body coming off the bench. But, um, yeah. Yeah. And I think as well, he would have helped with that sort of French understanding because he'd been at um, Clermont and Montpellier for, I think, eight years across the two teams. Just he would have had quite a bit of detail about some of these players, even though they are quite young. Um, so I guess that's a good time. Oh, sorry, go I was ahead, just going to say, the first test is always a good chance to um, blood some young guys and give some young guys a run like a Darcy Swain uh, yeah. and Lenny Powell Kellaway and that. Well, Kellaway's not, not young, but because, you know, even if you lose this test, you've still got two more to claw it back. Yeah. So if you get give 
guys a go, some some young guys that run, do it in this test. So I, I won't be – Darcy's had a great year playing really well, but I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't see um, Sid Tamani feature uh, later in the, in the series. Well, and I think one of the things that's come out this week, particularly with some of those injuries to so the key players, has seen a little bit of that backline shift around a little bit as well. So um, with James O'Connor getting out injured and not starting at 10, I imagine he would have been the starting the starting half for the Wallabies in this first test. So when you bring in a player like Noel Alessio, who's only got one cap so far under his belt and hasn't got a whole lot of game experience um, at this level, Pairing him up with Tate McDermott and then both players coming sort of starting 9 and 10 would be a big gamble for Rennie to pull out for this first test. So I can understand why Jake Gordon might have got the the nod there. Um, maybe as we see combinations sort of shift around in test 2 and 3, we might get to see Tate McDermott start um, bringing in maybe someone a little bit more experienced um, like Reese Hodge into that 10 position. Um, Endo, you had a comment you are going to put up and I think that this is something great that we can discuss because... We have seen a few debutants come through, and in particular, one that a few people have spoken about is Darcy Swain, just because he did have more penalties than any other lock, um, any other Australian lock, sorry, in that Super Rugby AU and Trans Tasman comp. But he did also have um, the most lineout takes, other than everyone except, I think, Luke Unselakai Lotto. So he's, he's got a great set of skills, and I think he's sort of fitting that enforced role without having Lockie Swinton there. Um, but how important is it having that, I guess, combination with the Brumbies? Um, game plan because Brumbies have traditionally had the best forward pack and how much of that is due to McKellar's appointment as forward coach um, so Ben do, do you think it is important having that sort of I guess cohesion between the Brumbies players and coach in that system oh man it would help this is Dan's first test uh, in the coaching staff so help him having a bit of familiarity but I think Darcy just with the penalties I think Rennie told him earlier in the year uh, this was just in the news this is not what I've been told but you know he needed to really assert himself on the game and maybe there were some games where he's overdone it and lost his head a little bit uh, discipline-wise because uh, it is a hard balance to find when you're trying to, you know, put shots on and, and make a menace of yourself not to overdo it uh, and, mm. and give away a few silly penalties, which Dars did, but I think he'll just learn from it. I think, um, yeah, it was a, he didn't have an issue with his tackling technique. He might have given a few away for head-high tackles, but just being a tall guy. But for the most part, those penalties can all be fixed within his game. Um, and I think, yeah, it'll be a really good addition off the bench. Um, and this is a yeah, great chance for him and well-deserved. And uh, for those um, French players, because we haven't spoken about much of them yet, are there some names there that stick out? Because I'm keen to see some of these guys play, especially because they are quite unknown to the majority of Australian uh, rugby viewers. Look, I need to be real and say so many of those names I don't recognise. And I think a big part of that comes down to the inexperience of the squad that they yeah. have sent out. I mean, I might just jump across to this slide here, which I mean, sorry, team, it's got a lot of numbers on. But really what you kind of want to be seeing here is over on the right-hand side, we've got the French team. Oops. And then looking down on, can you guys see this? Yep. We can now. Yep, brilliant, cool. Looking down on the right-hand side, the average caps for the French team is 5.9, whereas for Australia, it's 19. So that is quite a significant difference, although a large part of our caps only come from Slipper and Hooper. So take them out and the picture looks very, very different. But they're there, so we've got to count them, and that is that is a positive. Um, so for me, look, I mean, you've got Tal Fifanua, if I've pronounced that properly, I hope I have, who is, he's a 
beast, a giant guy, if I recall. Um, yeah. So he's going to be kind of that forward pack enforcer that um, we need to be aware of. But apart from that, I mean, there's not a huge amount of players like Carbonell, I know the name of. Um, Penno, I've seen around a bit as well. But I'm not an expert on French rugby. I think, Rev, you've got a bit of a better grip on things than I would. Yeah, I, I can go through some of them because a lot of these guys, um, I, I tried to watch a bit of the top 14 and um, some of the games against um, you know the other teams in the Six Nations because a few of these guys do have experience. And one of the things that um, keeps getting brought up is how inexperienced the side is. But when we look at the starting team, only two of them are going to be debutants. Um, a lot of them have got a few caps sprinkled in. They're just young, like a lot of um, you know the Wallabies players in our squad. So um, as you said, Taufa Fanua, he's the only person in both squads heavier than Tupo. So he's he's going to be big. He's going to be hard to tackle. He's 135 kilos, I think, um, and just a bit of a man mountain. So getting him down will be a challenge. But I think one of the, I guess, most interesting things is French side's done, and probably what leads to how they're going to play is they've opted for the 6-2 split, but their three starting back rowers, as well as Pazenti, Van Verberg, and Wocky, are all over 194 centimetres. They're all over 105 kilos. They're quite a big back row, um, and a lot of them can mix between 6, 7, 8, and also a bit of lock. Like, they're a really uh, skillful set of back rowers. So I think what we'll see with that side is they're really going to be able to move that ball around and probably going to try and keep it as tight as that many forwards can, but have a really strong offloading game. Um, the number eight in particular, McAuliffe, he's just an absolute freak when he's got a bit of space, really quick turn of pace. And I think, you know, having some of those experienced players around him, um, Geelong and Creation, they did get some game time in the Six Nations. I think that's going to really help them out just in terms of keeping that ball with those sorts of forwards. Um very excited to see that back row play. Well, I think that ties us really in really well into this question that um, Boar Productions has put up. Um, so how much knowledge do Aussie players usually have on players from the European leagues? Is it often some rapid schooling up in training camp? Ben, that's obviously a question directed towards you. Um, for this first series, it's generally like Wallabies have been just be focused. Tonight, or well, the first test will be they're just focusing about themselves. They've just come together as a team and they really just need to get their systems and structures in place. Um, I know before the Irish series four or five years ago, everyone was, you know, trying to get info of Scott Fardy, who was playing, you know, at Leinster with a lot of the knew a lot of the guys. Um, but for yeah, for this series, it's really just I think Wallabies will just focus on themselves. They know it's a pretty young French side. Um do your analysis next week. So get this first game over and done with, then go through the footage and maybe start. Um, you know, what are some key players? What are some key or some players really we should try and um, nut out in the second test? But for this first test, it's Wallaby should be just purely focused on themselves and just uh, come out firing as best they can. And I guess when we look at the, the test schedule, it's unusual in that we're playing three tests in 10 days. So the preparation is definitely going to be different to what a normal test schedule looks like with a week in between. Do you think that will change the Wallabies' preparation for this series? Do you think that Dave Rennie might be sitting there with a plan of who he wants to play test one, test two, test three, um, or he's going to go off the results with only, being that we've only got a few days really between each one? I think it'll be a bit of both. Like you'll have to, might have to rest, maybe, maybe have to rest a couple of guys in that second test just because they are so close together. So I think if you, if you see, well, he'll have an idea in his mind what he wants to do, but it will de- it depend on how the game goes. So let's say the Wallabies win well. If I was Dave Rennie, I'd be resting Slipper and Hooper for that second test. Yeah, just older blokes. Give some younger guys a run. Uh, knowing that you've got the third, you can you still got the third test up your sleeve. So 
Uh, yeah, he'll have he'll have a plan in mind. Option A, if we win, or if B, we lose. But, um, yeah, I don't think he's overthinking it too much. Now, before we keep on going, I do want to throw this comment from the crowd up there from Robski Foster. Mitch's mum, good point <laughs> about the 9 and 10 combination based on Jake Gordon's experience. So love the fact that your mum is supporting you on the pod, mate. Uh, <laughs> Someone's got to do sure. it, right? Yeah, somebody's yeah. got to do it. Pretty sure it's uh, the combined efforts of our mums that give us most of the listens and views each week. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you to thank all the mummers out there. Um, now, uh, another question coming in from Jason Sherman. Tamua, it, was Tamua lucky that O'Connor isn't available? Does that get him the spot? Or was he always going to be picked on reputation? What do you reckon about that one, Rev? Well, I guess if you ask me, my um, ideal 15 had O'Connor at 10 and then uh, the young combo of uh, Paisami and Ikatel in the centres. So I think with this test, they probably wanted to try and space out the experience because they know they're going to have the quick turnarounds. And for me, that's probably part of the reason why we might not be seeing Reese Hodge rush back into this match because he's a you know 40-plus test player. He's someone that can cover that 10 or 12 spot. So if they're thinking of you know rotating him into either Lalesio spot or to have the experience when um, you know Tamu is perhaps getting rested next week, I think that's probably, you know, a pretty fair call from Jason. I don't think they would have played both of them at the same time. But, um, you know, it remains to be seen. We still don't know that much about Rennie's coaching style yet just because yeah. he's only had six games at the helm and we haven't, you know, had him with a full set of healthy players. Like we remember last year he had O'Connor and Tamu as his starting combo, but um, the injuries to Tamu and then to O'Connor meant that had to change very quickly on the fly. Um, so, again, I'd really just love to see him with, you know, three games in a row, everyone at full strength, which, you know, never happens for Test Rugby. But um, I don't think they would both be starting. I think they want to try and split the experience as best they can across these matches. Yeah, see, I um, I actually don't rate Hodge at 10. Uh, if you think back okay. to that game, we, we ended up beating New Zealand, which, you know, that there is credit to him. And he's a good player, don't get me wrong. But if you go back and rewatch that game, the majority of the playmaking comes off Nick White. And it's actually not really Reese Hodge that's doing a lot of playmaking that you would normally expect from 10. So if you're going to have him in a team, then you need a nine that is going to be willing to take the game by the scruff of the neck and play a lot more off nine than you do off 10. And I don't really see Tate McDermott being that person. Um, so you're either going to have to do that with Jake Gordon, who really has done it a fair bit for the Tars this season in an incredibly poor Tars team. He's been a yeah. standout. Um, so if you're going to start, if you're going to start Jake Gordon, then maybe, yeah, you can be putting Hodge at 10. But outside of that, I don't think that that's a good combination. Um, when we have a look at some of the other comments that are flying in, uh, we've got Alan Henwood, who is noting the brilliant planning by the Aussie Super Rugby teams, avoiding <laughs> the trans Tasman final so they could spend an extra week in prep. I'm sure that is the reasoning. Part of the plan. Uh, part of the plan, the whole way through. Yeah. Looking forward. Okay, we're a future... Future leaning. It's Valentini and definitely he's going undefeated all year oh, and taking yeah. that top spot. So no, even if you do the maths, that doesn't work, but we'll ignore that reality. Um, and then <laughs> so let's again also from Ruben, let's hope it's not a cricket score like the All Blacks Tonga game. Uh Mitch and I chatted through that on a pod that got released this morning. Quick little plug. So go and have a look at that one too. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you, Ben, is about Dave Rennie's coaching style. I assume you still have a few little fingers here and there in the rugby circles. Have you heard any word of what people's um what people's read on what Rennie is going to bring to the Wallabies is? Well, I, I played against his Chiefs in that 20, 2013 Super Rugby Grand Final. They 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 won their second title. We pushed them uh, up by 10 with a bit to go, but 
Um, they were too good. And just the way they played over those few years was unbelievable. They were really physical, but an unbelievably skillful and, and um, attacking side. Uh, did the basics well, but just had unbelievable attack. Would counter-attack from anywhere, had great skills. And honestly, I think that's just a brand of footy that Australian fans would love. So if he can just do what he did with the Chiefs, uh, I think he's going to be a very successful coach. May not win every game, but I definitely think the Wallabies will play a style um, that Australian fans really, really get behind. And um, no, just heard everyone's nothing but respect for him. He's a pretty um, down to earth guy. I mean, I don't know him personally, but um, the Brumbies guys I've sort of chatted to all got big respect for him and, and him and all the coaching staff. And it's great to see Dan McKellar. Uh, join an already very, very good coaching staff. Very much so. Uh, one of the interesting questions I wanted to ask is looking at that idea of how you think the uh, the Wallabies are going to play, are there any players that have been picked that you think are really fitting that particular mould of the abrasive yet skillful counter-attacking teams that you've seen from the Chiefs in the past? So any current in this Wallabies 23 that you go, yep, that's a, that's a ready pick through and through that we may not have seen? Well, I don't want anyone to call me racist, but I say Tongan Thor and Ben Tami Funa. They're probably like for like. That was <laughs> big Ben Tami Funa was big bopper. Exact played. I mean, Tongan Thor's the next closest thing to what Ben Tami Funa was. Um, just a big boy that could scrum well and abs that could put big hits on or was a destructive ball carrier. So, um, yeah, Rennie, Rennie likes his big boys. I just want to think any comparisons. I mean, uh, Harry Wilson's a guy I think is very skillful, but also can be very physical. He'll he'll really suit that. Um, really suit uh, Rennie's style of play. Michael Hooper, um, you know, very much like a Sam Kane, but probably a bit more attacking. So the hoops will really suit this style. Uh, James Slipper, I think, will suit the style. But um, yeah, I think in the past you can get caught up trying to play attacking but then forget the basics and the physicality. And I think yep. what Rennie and I know Dan McKellar, they really focus on the physicality first and be really physical and aggressive and then that'll open up opportunities to be uh, attack second. So um, I, think, I think there's, yeah, you'll see a lot of guys uh, in the backs. I reckon Tom Banks will really like like this style of play. It was You've seen uh, the Ibis. That's what we used to call him, the, you know, the, the bin chickens with his big, with his big nose, the Ibis. Yeah. He, um, I think you've, you've seen him score some really long-range tries for the Brums. Yeah. So I think you could see uh, if Rennie puts a big emphasis on counter-attack, I think you could see some great tries from, from the Ibis. But, um, yeah, they're, they're sort of the names that come to mind. I think Andrew Kellaway's uh, probably surprise inclusion into this 23 as well is an indicator of that too. Uh, he was on fire before he left for Japan and in his showings, in, in the short showings he had in Trans-Tasman, seemed to still be in really good form. And he's a very quality attacking player all across the back three. So very excited for him to get another opportunity. Mm. Um, so what we might move into now is a bit of our predictions about how we think the game is going to be playing out particularly. We will be doing doing a, uh, a specific prediction. But now we're just talking a bit more general feel, general tactics, what we what we think is going to happen on the night. So, Mitch, why don't we start off with you, mate, throwing it to you first. Um, how do you think the game is going to unfold? What are you expecting to see? I guess more so from the Wallabies team because many of us are still a bit in the dark about the um, French squad. Yeah, uh, fairly similar to what Ben was saying before around Rennie's sort of style. I expect the Wallabies to be that attack from anywhere, counter-attack um, mentality where they just want to keep the ball alive and keep up tempo, keep quick turnovers um, and just keep basically just run the French off their feet. 
I think that's what we're probably going to see for the first maybe 20, 25 minutes, a really up-tempo attacking uh, mindset by the Wallabies. I think the French will try and slow it down. I think they're going to want to go to their set piece a lot. And the team that they've named really looks like they're trying to um, match us up in the in the scrum particularly and, and the line out. And if they can win those set pieces, I think that's what's going to keep them in the game. Um, but the game can be tight or it could be really open and free-flowing. I think the Wallabies are going to keep it open and free-flowing, trying to keep the back uh, the backs engaged as much as possible, whereas the Fr- French are going to try and keep it in the forwards and pick and drive it up the, the middle of the field. Fair enough. Uh, Rev, your thoughts? Uh, with that French team, they've got such a mix that a few different things can happen because it's inexperienced. I think with their quick, you know, sort of looking through how Australian rugby has sort of gone this year, they'll notice that our tactical kicking is not amazing. And what they've got is, outside of Jonathan Dante, a really quick and quite fleet-footed backline. Um, Dante's clocking in at about 112 kilos, so he's a massive inside centre and probably a good reason why Tamua's in there to try and cover him. Uh, but when I look at the rest of the backline, they're all, you know, 85 to 90 kilo whippets that are really quick um, and probably going to be quite good in the counter-attack. So I wouldn't be surprised to see them implement a pretty good kicking game and, you know, try and, um, you know, just force us into a battle that they know that they can run back from. But as um, Mitch has said, their back row, it's huge. So if they get some chances in the loose, they're going to dominate there um, and they're going to truck it up to Taufa, Fanua and uh, Bamba all day. Like they're massive bodies and they can play that um, tight game that, you know, I think we probably think we're quite good at with Tupo and Valentini, uh, but they can match us there as well. And that's been my big concern with the Wallabies for a while is our ability to actually like stop other teams from scoring points. It's a crazy, simple statement, but we haven't had any issue over the last couple of years in scoring points, but our defense has been pretty much a sieve for the last couple of years. I mean, is that in lieu with Benny leaving the squad? I don't know, but (laughs) basically it's been, it's been an area for weakness. And my, the thing I want to see is us to have a strong defensive performance and really limit the opportunities that we're providing this French team. Um, I think that if we can strangle them in possession, keep the game in the right areas, then the inexperience of their team may well come to the fore. And they may try and start to push passes, push opportunities that uh, can lead to errors and then fall into our hands. So I'm, that's my hope, is that we're going to see a stronger defensive performance. And I think having players like um, Izzy Nicerani, Darcy Swain, on the bench like we've got a very explosive bench when you look at some of the players so Lockie Lonigan is just probably the star hooker of the or the the um the MVP the rookie of the year I guess you might say for the super rugby competition Angus Bell has just been immense for the Waratahs when he's been on and not been injured Taniel Tupo well don't need to say anything more about him and for all of Swain's penalty issues like Benny was saying before he has been a really strong quality player and trying to play a bit more of that enforcer role and you've got Izzy Nisarani who's one of the biggest players one of the biggest back rowers that we have within Australian rugby so when you combine all that together, we do have a really strong team. I'm just wanting to see that defensive integrity. Um, that's enough of me ranting. Benny, you spoke a little bit about what you're expecting, but can you just cover it again, what you're hoping to see from the Australian team? Oh, I just hope they, they play well. First test, not much pressure. There'll be some young guys who'll be a bit nervous in their first game, but um, your first test for the year is always hardest. You know, still trying to build combinations and yeah, especially you know, Michael Hooper's been in Japan and uh, it's been a bit of a disjointed sort of two years, a year and a half uh, with COVID. So just looking for a really polished performance. Um, sorry, not polished performance, just, just performance, a lot of effort. You know, there's always going to be a few drop balls. 
uh, in the first test, especially as you, as you guys already said, they're going to probably look to up the tempo, try and counterattack. Um, so there might be a few drop balls, which will bring the scrum into the scrum into into the game. So that's going to be a huge battle. I think we'll be up, up to the challenge here. I really like our scrum. Um, and if, you know, if for whatever reason it creaks, they can get Sita Tamani in there for the second and third test. Because I tell you, having him up your clacker, you feel like the world's strongest human being. He is one of the best <laughs> scrummaging locks. Yeah. One of the best scrum. I mean, it, it, um, Review here in Queensland, how much Brad Thorne would talk about, you know, how much second rowers love scrummaging. So Sita and Brad Thorne would have been the two best scrummaging locks I ever I ever saw or played with or against. But, um, yeah, I think it'll be a great game. I think the French don't really have much to lose. Young guys, they'll throw it round. And if, if they get a sniff, um, they'll be they'll be really dangerous, the French. But if, if, the, if the Wallabies can come out, uh, like Ando, you said, they can defend really well early on the Wallabies, I think they could win and well. well, well why don't we move into a few more questions? Why don't we yep. just go with a, a scoreline prediction? So we'll throw to you first, Rev. What are you expecting to see scoreline? I think there's been a lot of people saying, you know, will it be like a New Zealand Tonga affair? I don't think it'll be like that at all. I think this French team is still going to be competitive, if not, you know, able to get a win throughout here. Like, they've got some great players. They're just not household names yet. So I think the first team um, that we've named is experienced, and we should get up. I'd be thinking maybe 12 points, 12 to 15 points. I'd be really happy with a 12 to 15 point win. So I'll say 12. Um, but I'm not expecting a blowout by any means for that first game. Benny, what are you thinking for a scoreline for this one? Yeah, I think if we we win, I think the score lines will be. I think we'll win by ten this game. Well, I believe the, the second test, or then we'll win pretty well, like just in the second test, and then we'll blow them away in the third. If you look at sort of the the trends over series, is the French don't generally travel well. They're, they're or they'll get up for one game, and then the French sort of they they do roll over. If you've got them beat, they will have a crack while they feel like they've got a sniff. But um, if we can, yeah, I reckon 10, we'll, I reckon we'll win by 10 this test and then um, it'll be interesting. If we can get to a dead rubber, we'll blow them away in the third test. But, uh, <laughs> Ando, what are you thinking? I was going to say by 12, but Rev took that. I uh, had it written down here before he even said it, so I can show it to the You can the have the same number. Uh, it is allowed. Uh, it's allowed. Uh, no, you can't. No, you can't. <laughs> go 11. Um, you can have 11. There you go. 11. 11. Yeah. Nine. Uh, I'm gonna go 15, mate. I'm gonna I'm gonna up it okay. as a proud proud Aussie. What about you, Mitch? Yeah, I um I think the Wallabies would get up. I was gonna go 10 points, uh, pretty similar to Benny. So Everyone I'm, I'm gonna us. Jesus. I'm gonna stick with that because <laughs> we're allowed to have the same number. One thing um I think we we need to be aware of with this French side too is there's been a lot of travel for these guys. So I don't want it to be an excuse if they don't play that well, but we do have to be aware that they're coming out of quarantine on Tuesday night. They fly, oh, Tuesday morning, they fly up to Brisbane, um, maybe do one training session and then play in Brisbane on Wednesday. Oh, so, is that, so they haven't even been training? They've been training, but they're in quarantine. So they've been training at North Sydney rooms, Oval. Okay. At North Sydney Oval, they've been, play, they've been training. But, um, yeah, they're, they're already starting to, to spin the, the media wheel a little bit mm -hmm. there and say that we're, we've got it all uphill to go. So... Something just oh, to be aware we're of. We're but... 20. I'm adjusting. We're winning by 20. <laughs> All right. I'm changing it. I'm yeah, they're staying at um, Ridges in Borkham Hills and then getting a coach on the way down. And they were having a whinge that they weren't even allowed to, you know, it's a pretty justifiable whinge, that they weren't even allowed to, on the coach, do like a tour of Sydney or anything like that. They just had mm -hmm. to go to the venue 
to the field and then back and forth again. Um, and so, yeah, Freddie, Freddie Michelak was having having a bit of an issue with yeah. that one. Um, what we might do now is just race through, because we only have a few minutes left. We're going to race yeah. through some of the uh, questions that have come out and I'll throw them to one of you. Just a quick reply, quick comment, and then we'll go on to the next one, okay? So we have to start uh, with this one by Sheepy. Brilliant. Yeah. First one, and let's go to Rev. Uh, one comment I saw on Reddit was that Tupo was on the bench because not only is he a replacement tight head, but also 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. Do you agree, disagree, comment, quick? Oh, absolutely. He can cover it all. <laughs> Good. Uh, I'll reply to this one because I always like when people agree with my opinion. So Hodge is not a 10. He is a good 10, 12 or 13 and would make an awesome 15. Shocked to see him left out for Kellaway. I'm not particularly shocked considering he's coming back from injury and hasn't had game time since what the... Um, Oh, the match. When did Tim Anstey do the knee? Yeah, yeah that was like against second, the second. Yeah, second or third one from the end yeah. of AU. So it's yeah, been a okay. while. So he's been out for a while. Uh, yeah. Here we have a comment from Matt that I'm going to send across to uh, Ben. So do we think the French have been strategic in sending an inexperienced team or is it just circumstance and have the World Cup 2023 mind games begun? Nah, just circumstance. I think maybe the French big dogs didn't want to come out and be in quarantine for two weeks. Uh, no, nah. uh, that, that I, is a circumstance. And I also will just throw into this one as well that the French are actually higher on the world rugby scale than we currently are, so they want to retain that. I don't think they're going to want to easily lose three tests and potentially drop below us. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, Benny, staying with you, mate. Who's a better scrummager, Nella or Alan? I'll say Alan. Well, Taniel is destructive, but there's been a lot of chat that he's going to start getting penalised heavily by world refs for scrummaging on an angle. So if you can get away with it, and this is what Taniella will need to learn, is take that angle when the ref's not looking, otherwise try and keep it square. So if Taniella gets away with it, very destructive. But um, I think Alan Alan will, um, yeah, give away less penalties. And then they're they're both awesome. As I said before, we're sport for choice. Yeah, I think Um, for this this test series, we just need to let Stan Sport know not to bring out the the spider cam for this one. Just leave that at home. <laughs> yeah. I like it. Very good call. Uh, so this question here from Chris Foster, do you guys know if the French are bringing their referees with them? It's actually going to be an all New Zealand refereeing team. So Paul Williams oh, will take really? the first game, James Dolman uh, the second game, and then Ben O'Keefe has the final game. And the I'm TMO duties. my prediction then. <laughs> um, uh, TMO are shared between... Brendan Pickerel and Glenn Newman. Um, so, yeah, look, there's a few issues that we can throw out with that one. Uh, but we don't have time. Got to keep the show going. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll also have here, they've been given seven hours a day training, spending every day at North Sydney Oval. Thank you, Sheepy. Uh, Rev, should we be playing uh, Corabetti or Izzy, given the fact that they're not going to be available for the World Cup? I think we don't know what's going to happen with the World Cup eligibility. They might be able to come back. They might sign for a team. They could be available. And I think also with this young team and Rennie still a fresh coach for the Wallabies, you've got to get the wins. And they're two players that deserve to be in the 23. So uh, let's get the wins with them. Brilliant. Well, why don't we finish things there, team? Uh, firstly, can I say a big thank you, Benny, for coming on for the first of three. It's been an absolute pleasure and a privilege. Hope you've enjoyed it so far. No, I have, and keep this is awesome, guys. It's like uh, it's good seeing a lot of passionate and uh, passionate fans and people loving rugby because I get sick to death of hearing people beat the game up. So it's good to see fans really, yeah, going out and they're batting and doing stuff like this. So keep it up. 
Thank you very much. And for everybody watching, it has been an absolute pleasure to get your comments and your banter thrown around. Hopefully, we got to everybody's questions and comments. I'm pretty sure we did. And I just want to quickly remind you that there are going to be two more episodes on Sunday the 11th and Thursday the 15th, both at 8pm on all your major social media platforms. So make sure you tune in and get involved. So tell your friends. And tell your friends, (laughs) share it around, actually. The more ears and eyes we can get involved, that'll be wonderful. So thank you very much, everybody. Have a wonderful night, and we will catch you later. Bye. Bye.